Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you want to help out by doing one nice thing today, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. Also, I've set up a channel membership just in case you want to show your support and help keep storytime going for as long as possible. So if you love my videos or want to have your comments shown like this one by Phantasm, click the join button below this video. That said, our first story of the day is by Chaturo. You cannot spend $50 on a haircut. When I worked as an engineer at a Canadian telecoms company, I was deployed for several months in Brazil. After two months at a hotel at the business area of Sao Paulo City, I urgently needed a haircut. Being the expensive business zone I was located, there was a haircut place next to my hotel, and I decided to walk downstairs to get the haircut there. They charged $50 US for a male haircut. I had to pay and left. When the accountant lady reviewed my expenses report, she said, you cannot submit such an expensive haircut. Cue malicious compliance. Two months later, I had to cut my hair again. I took a $25 taxi to a barber shop in a mall some kilometers away, cut my hair for $25, enjoyed the walk and had dinner, and went back on another taxi for $25, plus the two taxis I took earlier that day to go to the customer office. When the accountant lady asked why I took four taxis on the same day, my response was, you told me I can't spend $50 on a haircut, so I had to look for a barber shop in a cheaper area of the city. She didn't bother me again. From all the stories I've heard in situations like this, these people are just fixated on the biggest numbers they can find and trying to get them as small as possible. Well, they were able to bring that number down, but there were just more of those lower numbers. If you were on a business trip and you got a $50 haircut and you got yelled at for it afterwards, would you feel any amount of guilt taking a taxi traveling around to get a cheaper haircut, knowing it's going to cost them even more money this time around? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Jake No Mistake. Want strict work hours? Okay, can do. I used to work in a mid-sized company in the engineering department. One of the managers started to get upset because if he walked around at exactly 8.30, our start time, everyone was not in their seats. He felt that engineers were being too lax with their time. The edict went out that all engineers had to be in their seats exactly at the start time. I told my boss that I was not planning on complying because I was a salaried professional and expected to be treated as such and that if they didn't trust me to put in an honest week's work, then they should fire me instead of micromanage me. The older and much wiser engineers took a different approach. They all showed up five minutes early to make sure they were in their seats at 8.30, but also set an alarm for 5 p.m., and would literally drop everything they were doing exactly at 5 p.m. and leave the building. Is the manager having a meeting that was supposed to end at 5 but is running a little late? No, at 5 p.m. a series of alarms would go off and everyone would stand up in the middle of the meeting to leave. Does operations need technical support at 4.55? They have exactly five minutes on the phone with the engineer before he'll have to get off the phone. Is someone trying to discuss a work-related issue at 8.28? Better wait a couple minutes because no one in the engineering department is answering work-related questions for another two minutes. 
Needless to say, the policy didn't last very long, so from all the stories I've read, it appears the best strategy to take is that if they're gonna nickel and dime you with your start time and say you've gotta be doing this at exactly 8.30, you turn around and say, alright, but I'm working till 5pm and not a minute later because if I'm gonna be in here working exactly at 8.30, I'm gonna be leaving at exactly 5pm. You don't wanna put that trust in me? then I'm not going to hustle for you. Our next story is by Turn Your Phone Dummy. I want a Wi-Fi point and I don't care how you do it. Don't care, huh? I work as the lone IT guy at a school and we had a new deputy principal start. People used to refer to him as the blue sky guy, meaning that he would say all these amazing things that are going to happen, but then don't do anything to set them in motion. Then of course, get angry when it doesn't happen. One day he says to me, I want a Wi-Fi point in my office. I said, well, there's one in the room next door, and I can see that you have full bars on your laptop, so there's no need for one. He, of course, did not like this and demanded that I install a Wi-Fi point in his office. The thing is, his office was tacked onto the side of the building a few years prior and only had one network point that his desk VoIP phone was plugged into. Now, anyone who works in IT long enough can tell you that there is a second pass-through network part on the phone where you can plug in a network cable. But then I would also need a power injector to power the Wi-Fi point, and it would then be limited to 100 megabits per second instead of 1000 megabits per second. So, installing one in his office was not only unnecessary, but would also be slower for anyone who connected to it. I try to explain this all to him, and he just cuts me off. I want a Wi-Fi point and I don't care how you do it. So, cue malicious compliance. I screwed the Wi-Fi point to his roof and ran the network cable down the wall and sticky taped the end of the cable to the back of his desk where he can't see. Sure, he had a Wi-Fi point, but it wasn't plugged into anything. About one year later, he said, I noticed that all the other Wi-Fi points have a light on and mine doesn't. Oh, it's just that you have so many windows in here, it can be hard to see the light. He just left a few months later and the staff threw a mini party. I then took the Wi-Fi point down and put it into storage. His replacement has not had any Wi-Fi issues in the past two years. I'm just going to take a wild guess and assume this guy had no recollection of how internet or Wi-Fi or speeds worked. Somebody that's so stubborn and dead set that having a Wi-Fi point in the office is going to guarantee perfect connection, like OP eventually chose to do. Sometimes it's easier to just give them what they want, even though you know it's not the right thing. This next story is by Kookabonus. Get your poop off my property. In advance, this is not my personal story, but rather that of a friend of mine and his neighbor, retold with his kind permission. I'm also not very technically minded when it comes to electrics, so please bear with me and I shall explain as best as my layman's knowledge allows. So, I live not far from Milla Milla in North Queensland up in the mountains in Rainforest. On my property, I'm blessed with a strong mountain stream that never goes dry and was perfect for a small hydroelectric setup to produce power for my house. Now, to place it on my property, I would only get a small head of water, meaning the hydro system would not be running at full capacity and produce a lot less power than it was actually capable of. To ensure I was never left dry, I installed two hydro systems, which essentially meant I could now run everything as much as I liked. 
To burn off excess power produced, I mounted a row of heating elements from old hot water systems on the roof of my shed. I could not feed excess back into the grid as apparently it's illegal to do this from hydro for some reason, but is apparently perfectly alright from solar panels. A pretty nice setup once complete, and apart from a very small amount of maintenance, I never paid a cent for power ever again. I was on very good terms with my downhill neighbor and eventually we struck a deal to place the generators on my neighbor's property, where there would be a higher head from my wear and the turbines would run at full power, easily providing enough electricity for both houses. So we poured a new cement slab for the generators and ran a new feed pipe from my wear to the new generator site, wired everything in and hey presto, free power all around. Everything was good for nearly a decade until my neighbor finally sold the place and moved south to be with his kids. At first, the new neighbor seemed okay. He'd been told about the power sharing arrangement, but apparently had not grasped the bit about the generators being on his property. They were down by the creek and in the forest, so it may not have been immediately obvious where they were located. Unfortunately, when he did discover them, he appeared to take it as a personal affront and came storming to my door one night. Why are there two bloody great machines on my place with a pipe coming from your place? I said, uh, do you mean my hydro turbines? They say, is that what they are? Why are they on my property? I don't want them here. You need to get rid of them or I will. I say, wait a minute, those turbines are where our power comes from. We can't just rip them out. He says, that's not my problem. I don't want your crap on my land. You have one week to move them or else. The discussion went on some more as I tried to get him to understand why they were there and what they did, as well as the original deal to share power because of where they were. He was either too stupid or too rude to care, so I finally agreed to move them the next day. So the next morning, I shut off the drive pipe, disconnected the turbines, and loaded it all onto my ute. I then went to the original side of my property and reconnected the whole mess. Of course, I had to use the original wiring setup to connect them, which only supplied my house. In any case, there was now only enough power for one place anyway, due to the lower head supplying less pressure. All good, and my place had power again by the evening. My neighbor came home after work to a dark house and defrosting freezers and went mental. Where the heck is my power? I'm supposed to get free power on my place. You can't do this. I say, as I repeatedly explained yesterday, the deal was you get power in return for me being able to site the generators on your property. Now that you forced me to move them, you get nothing. In any case, they now can only supply enough power for one house because of their location. So I guess you're going to have to sort something out for yourself. Neighbor stormed off to buy a petrol generator. In the coming week, he had an electrician in to do a quote to supply mains power to his house. Wasn't happy with that as the house had been off grid for a decade and would need extensive modifications to get back on grid. They would need to put a new pole on in his property at his expense as well as a new fuse box around $15,000. He then got a quote for his own hydroelectric turbine, but discovered he didn't have sufficient head on his property. The salesman suggested he talk to his uphill neighbor, me, to see if he could run a pickup pipe from that property. Guess who came to my door, cap in hand and very apologetic, to ask if I would mind putting the generators back on his place so he could have power. When I told him there was no way in heck I was going to do that, he asked if he could have permission to run a drive pipe from my wear instead. I say, gee, I don't know if I want your crap on my land. I eventually let him do it, although I did make him sweat a bit first. However, there was a condition attached. 
if he ever made trouble with me again, that drive pipe was going to come out immediately. Haven't had so much as a peep from him since. This guy moves into the house, discovers on their property there's these giant machines they don't understand. Sure, fair enough, go to the guy and complain. But as soon as OP said, this is what's giving your house power for free, should have ended there. This guy was obviously so narcissistic or argumentative, seeing red or whatever, that they just, they wouldn't allow logic to actually process or get through to them. I've read a lot of stories about Karens who act very much this way. And our final story of the day is by small of two pieces. You don't have any? Well, can you check in the back? This story is from years ago when I was the assistant to the retail manager of a small mom and pop swimming pool supply store. One of the many aspects of the job was inventory management. I did the ordering and I would frequently audit the stock to see what was low, what we had, and make any adjustments in our computer for stuff that broke, was taken by our service department, expired, etc. I also had the displeasure of dealing with customers. It was the middle of summer, and as you might guess, it's the busy season for pools. I would typically work 60 plus hours a week with one day off. Frequently that day off would be a Sunday one week, then I wouldn't get another until the following Friday. So you can imagine that sometimes my patience was thin. The store is hectic and busy when a customer comes in looking for something. Specifically what, I don't remember, but we had none on the shelf. I apologetically told them we were out. Then they hit me with the classic, well, can you check in the back? Remember when I said I was in charge of inventory? I knew we had none, and I told them I was sure we didn't have any. Well, can you check anyway? Cue malicious compliance. I put on my best customer service smile and say, sure, I'll check in the back in a few minutes. So, I mosey on back to the stock room, knowing full well it's not there. I take my time and stroll through the stock, catch my breaths from the business of the floor, and enjoy the peace and quiet of the stock room, where there's no customers for just a little bit. Then I head back into the chaos of the store and smile apologetically again to the customer. No, sorry, there's none back there. The customer thanked me for checking and left disappointed, but at least I got a couple minutes to myself. Honestly, working in retail can probably be a very tiring thing. If somebody excuses themselves to the back and just kind of takes a breather in there for five minutes or so, I feel like honestly, every once in a while it's kind of understandable. I mean, really, there must be only so much you can take with all these people coming through. You probably deal with Karens. You work at a pool supply store, so there's probably people bringing in weird, murky containers of this and that. Do you have this pool toy? How do I fix my water? What do I do with this? I imagine that can get old pretty quickly. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.